Listen, a warm welcome to you today. I hope you're enjoying your morning with us. Again, if you're visiting us for the first time, we're so excited that you're here with us. Please take a moment afterwards to hang around and say hi. We'd like to get to know you some more. Now, some of you downloaded the app when Smudge was up. Now, this is a good bit for what you did there. Today, I've put my ministry notes or my message notes on the app. Because I know sometimes people said, oh, we couldn't take notes, or what verse was that? So this week I'm trying something new, and if people enjoy it, we'll carry on. If they don't, we just won't. But I've actually put the notes of my message and the verses of my message on the app. So you always used to get told off of taking your phone out in church, right? You can take your phone out of church if you want, if you've got the Church Center app. And if you go to the Church Center app, you can do it now in the meeting and follow the verses, or you can go to it later, but also on the website. If you go to the Church Center app, and you actually go to the area that says blogs and resources, and you will see there this image of Run On Purpose. If you click on that image, you'll see an outline of my message today, but also the key verses that I'm using How many people think that could be useful, either for now or for later on? And so, hey, we've got this thing called technology, so let's use it, right? But people aren't good note takers these days when it comes to pen and paper. But maybe this could work to just help you have something to think about during the week. So, okay, so you go to church centre, go to apps and blogs, and then you go to um, run on purpose. Give me a wave if anyone's got it. Hey, that's fantastic. Look at you, you technical people, you. That's amazing. Okay, so we're going to carry on today, and I'm going to be speaking on the subject of running on purpose. We've been speaking around this theme for the best part of the start of this year, and the theme this year for us has been run, run your best lap yet. And this is flowing from what we believe God is saying to us about this year. We really believe as a church leadership and a whole bunch of people in church have said that they're feeling this too. That despite what you're hearing on the news, the fear of the media, um, storms and diseases and economic and financial, that God has purposed for this year to be the best year yet for his church, but also the best year yet for people who are his followers and disciples. Last week we looked at choosing the posture of an athlete over the posture of a spectator and we looked at how being a disciple a follower or a learner is a better experience of God and the life that he has for you now being a believer means that you're saved your name is in the Lamb's book of life you're going to heaven when you die but being a disciple means you're bringing heaven down now into your life and into your world and you're not waiting to experience God and heaven one day beyond the grave but you're saying no I want kingdom come now I want to experience God and his heaven in my life now and that's what belongs to disciples so I want to stay true to the run theme that we're on and I want to look at this thought of running on purpose, or we could say running with purpose. We've been spending a lot of time in Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2, and got some good insight from Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2, when it comes to running. But I want to look at another famous passage that helps us to understand how we can run our best lap yet. And this verse, if you're on your app, know already that it's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to read 
read verses 24 to 27. Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 2 speaks about casting off stuff that slows you down. This verse actually begins to help us to understand four key things about how to run our best lap yet. Let me read these verses to you. I'm reading from the NIV. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. That's a natural example. But we as spiritual people do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer who's beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body or my flesh and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize that God has for me. Now, here's four quick things I want to look at, and I've included these in those message notes. Number one, this verse or this passage of scriptures encourages us, number one in verse 24, to be in it to win it. Take your lap seriously. We all have a race that we're running together, but every one of us have an individual race that we're running for God. Now, in verse 24, it encourages us to run in such a way as to get the prize. A modern way of putting that, be in it to win it. Number two, in verse 25, it says, make sure you're training and you're fit for the race. Now, you may want to be in the race, but you've got to be fit for the race. You've got to be on the racetrack, in the right lane, ready to run. Now, that's not the good intentions of a couch potato. Everybody know what a couch potato is? That's somebody who knows they should exercise, wants the benefits of exercising, but won't get off of a couch. I believe that there can be spiritual couch potatoes, people who know what they should do and have a desire or an element of a desire to do so, but they can't get themselves out of complacency. This verse is saying, come on, get yourself out of complacency, get on the track, get yourself fit for the race. And then in number three, my third point in verse 25 again, it says, keep your eye on the winner's crown that's in the life to come. Now, Paul says to the church in Corinthians, in, in the Corinthian church, he says, people in this life run to get a natural crown. We run to get one that's waiting for us in the life to come. Remember the verses we read during our theme or our Vision Sunday, where, where Paul said, I've, I've, I've run my race. There's now a crown that waits for me and for every person who has been waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. Take your crown in eternity seriously. Your crown is not my crown. My crown is not your crown. Billy Graham's crown is not my crown. I have a crown. You have a crown that's given us according to the race that we run for him with the life that we lived here. But it's the fourth point I really want to look at where it says don't run aimlessly. Now, that's a funny image. I don't know what that could look like, someone running aimlessly, but it's almost like someone just like, just not really, not really running in a direction, not really getting into it, just like, I don't know, is that a good picture of aimlessly running? That's what some Christians do because they've not focused on Jesus Christ, the pace setter. It says, don't run aimlessly. Now, another word for that word aimlessly is with uncertainty 
Or a better word would be without purpose. What Paul is saying is run your race, run your best lap yet. Be a part of running the lap of your church, but also don't run without purpose. Have a purpose to why you're running. The Living Bible colors this in a little bit more for us, and it says, so I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. Isn't that awesome? So I run towards the goal, the winner's crown that God has for me, for the life I'm living for him on the earth. With purpose in every step, I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Come on, I believe that that's what should be in our hearts. And that's why you're in church today, because you want the purposes of God. A recent survey I heard said that in England, a million Christians still haven't returned to church because of complacency. Some of them because of sickness, long COVID, diseases. But if they say a whole chunk, it's simply because of apathy and lockdown slippers. Now that could seem negative, but it's actually positive because they're saying that those who have returned, the four million that have returned, have come back ready to do something. Come back ready. You're here today because you're not complacent. You're here today because you want God. We learned in 18 months how to have a day off, right? You're here today because you don't want a day off. Something in you says, I want Jesus. I want the best year with Jesus yet. So give yourself a big well done. You beat a million people. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Now we could focus on the one million that haven't returned yet, or we could look at the strength and the power that's in the four million that have. That's you and me. We want to be a part of a people that are running on purpose. So this is an encouragement for us to run on purpose, to have a purpose-driven run. There's a wonderful book that I want to just advertise if you've never read it. It's pretty old now. And it's by a guy called Rick Warren, and it's called Purpose Driven Life. I think we're going to be doing some courses on it, aren't we, in the future. But it's a great book if you're taking notes, The Purpose Driven Life. It's one of those books you need to read every now and then. But I want to talk today about having a purpose-driven run, realizing that God has always had a purpose for your life. He's not making one up for you now. You were born with a God purpose. And God wants to connect us back to the God purpose when we're born again and we become followers and then he wants the God purpose to become that which we know we were born for. When people say to me, Andy, is it hard what you're doing? It's hard work, but I was born for this. Because when I was born again, I stepped out of a purpose that was contrary to the plans of God into his purposes. So this feels like I always should have been doing it. Now, you could speak to a businessman and they would say the same. It's not just about preaching or ministry. I speak to business people and they say, I was born or it feels like I was made to be in business. Other people who do sports, they say, it feels like I was made to do this. That's often because they've reconnected with the purpose of God for their life. So God's not making it up as he goes along with you. Before you were born, God, God knew you before conception, he knew you before conception. He knew you before you were born. He knew you and he formed you in your mother's womb and he had purpose for you. Now, we're reconnected to his purposes when we're born again 
And now that we're committed to walking out his purposes in our obedience or discipleship and being a disciple, we're back in, or we should be back in, to his purpose for why he placed us on the earth. Again, we can't afford to play the game of comparisons. This isn't about my purpose. It's about your purpose. I need to be focused on my purpose. Why did God cause me to be on this planet? What did he give me to do? And if we all do that and stop coveting each other's purposes, we could actually turn this little world upside down. Now, people are made for different purposes because God's a creative God. And we see even outside of reconnection through salvation, the Bible declares that some people were made for common purposes. I believe those are the purposes that you have that are not in alignment with God's common purposes. But other people were made for noble purposes. I believe that those are the purposes that you rediscover when you start following Jesus. A great example of this is in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, in a large house, verse 20, 21, in a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Hold on to that little statement, any good work. So can you see here, some things have common purpose, some things have special purpose. Apparently something that has common purpose, when it's cleansed by the blood of Jesus, becomes something that can be used by God for special purpose. That's not preachers, that's every believer. But you may have common purpose to your life. There's things that you love doing, but God wants you to know his purpose for your life. And uh, one example of this would be, obviously, when we speak about Pharaoh. Pharaoh's a little bit of an unusual subject or case uh, subject. But it says in Romans 9, 17, the scripture says to Pharaoh... I raised you up for this very purpose, this is God speaking, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Now we know of Pharaoh that he wouldn't bow the knee to God's will or way, so we see Pharaoh outworking something that didn't surprise God, actually God purposed that that would happen with Moses and the children of Israel but I don't know what was what if there was an alternative what if Pharaoh would have said I'm an idiot I give my life would there have been another purpose I don't know just a question or did God know the stubbornness of his heart that he would never relent or submit So the purpose of Pharaoh was to be a key player in a story of redemption of God leading his people out of captivity. This stuff isn't just happening. We're walking in God intentions and purposes. When a person's born again, they step into knowing that their life is in the hand of God and that God has a purpose that's bigger 
than the one they may have had for themselves. Before I met Jesus, do you want to know what my purpose is? A lot of you know. This was my purpose for my life. I was going to sell fruit and veg with my dad. We were going to open up other fruit and veg shops. I left school at 15. I was selling vegetables. By the time I was 16, I was happy to think about opening shops because in the evening, I went into pubs and did Elvis impersonations. I desperately wanted to be Elvis. I would go into pubs before the days of karaoke, steal the mic from a DJ. Oh, I've been so lonely, you could die. Now I look like Vegas Elvis, I get that. But I was skinnier then. That was my purpose for my life. I'm so glad (laughs) I met Jesus. I'm so glad I met Jesus Christ. And he took that common purpose, which wasn't bad, And he gave me a special purpose, which is what I do for him today. Newsflash, he has a special purpose for every follower and every child of his household. So God has a purpose for everything that he breathes life into. So even in creation, we see purpose in living things, animals and creatures But you begin to dig into subjects like the ecosystem and you see this plant is here because it feeds this. This animal eats this animal. We have this. I was sitting there thinking about this and I was like, all right, God, I have a problem with this. Rats, they have no purpose. In my understanding of global affairs, rats are a waste of time. They're scary. A rat has no purpose. So how? And then so I went to, you know, the well of everything you need to know, Google. And I said, what's the purpose of a rat? Because to me, a rat has no purpose except for me to kill it. There, I said it. That will probably be all over the headlines. He's a rat killer. That is who I am. That is who I am. Anyway, according to Google, rats are rodents that do actually serve a purpose in the ecosystem. They are scavengers and opportunistic opportunistic eaters. They will eat garbage and other things. I know people that do that. They will eat garbage and other things that people throw away. Plus rats are an important part of the predatory ecosystem. It doesn't say what they do. It just says that they're important or they have a purpose. Now, when we look at every other animal, there's a purpose to the animal. Even Gina's dog, the cockapoo, its purpose is to just uh, snuggle up next to Gina. And just, you know, that's the purpose of that dog, you know. But when it comes to humans, we're not like dogs and we're not like rodents. We're not like other creatures. God has put us on the planet, made in his likeness, in his image. And we have a purpose regarding what he wants to do on the earth. Now, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 is a great verse, isn't it? Where God speaks to us and he says, I know the plans I have for you. Again, the Hebrew word, and I've put that in your message notes, is makashorba, makashorba. And that word means thoughts to devise, to plan, to purpose, or invention. Now listen to what God's saying in that statement. I have thoughts, things I've devised, plans, purposes, and intentions and inventions for your life. When we're born again and we bring our life into submission to his rule and reign, we connect with his special purposes, not just the ones that we discovered 
in everyday common life. This is okay, right? So what we're saying is God made you on purpose <coughs> for a purpose. God made, there's no such thing as somebody here by mistake. I hate it when a young person says to me, I'm here by mistake, my parents didn't want me. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Your parents were instruments that God used to get you on the planet. He loves you, wanted you, and knew you before your parents knew they were pregnant. You were made on purpose, but you were always made for a purpose. Okay, number one, God has an individual plan for you to know and run in accordance with. And it's based on how he's given you skills, talents, the things he's made you to like, the things he's made you not to like. That may mean that one person could go the way of being a priest or ministry or Christian service, where another man may go the route or another woman may go the route of being what the Bible would term a king, that God wants to use them in the business world. You know, because in the Old Testament, you had kings and priests, and the kings went out and won wars and brought the booty or the plunder to the priests so that God's kingdom could be established on the earth. Both had godly purpose. And when they worked together, the church was unstoppable. So God has an individual plan and purpose for your life. Your homework this week is ask him what it is. Don't ask me. Ask him what it is. He's your creator. You were made on purpose and you were made for purpose also. But also God has plans and purposes for us all, corporate plans, corporate purposes. Remember what we've said, this race that we're running this year, number one is our race, but it's also our race, together and alone. Now God has got purposes for us, and these purposes in the Bible are called good works, good works. Now, the Bible says that we were created for good works. Now, stay with me because sometimes people get confused when we use the word works. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 2. For it's by God's grace that you have been saved, and it's through faith. This not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Verse 10. For we are God's handiwork or workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now we've used that word works but it's actually came into a number of different contexts. The Bible says that our salvation is not the produce of our works. Yet the Bible then says that we've been created by the hand of God for good works. Isn't that interesting? To understand this equation, you've got to get the meaning of the word works. What it's teaching in Ephesians is you did not create your salvation by what you do. You're saved by grace alone. You placed faith in the grace of God and it caused your born-again salvation. But the Bible says you're now called to the good works that he has for you to do. Now, there's a difference between 
good works and dead works. Dead works are things you do to try to obtain or achieve what you already have. Example, a bold man shaving his head. He's wasting his time because he's already got the product he desires. That's a dead work. Someone trying to put a plug in a sink when there's already a plug in the sink. You're wasting your time and your effort. It's already been achieved. That's a dead work, a pointless work. A good work is the things that God has made you to do. But don't create your salvation. Don't make him love you anymore. But they're the things that you were put on the earth to do because he always had a purpose for your life. Now, the word here used for works is the Greek word ergon, E-R-G-O-N. And it means this, to do business, to be occupied with. So basically, when you understand that, you read Ephesians and it says, you are God's workmanship, created by God to do God's business on the earth. Isn't that incredible? You are God's workmanship, created, reborn by God, to do good or God's business on the earth. Now, God's business can be as simple as loving people. (laughs) That's God's business. That ain't the devil's business, that's for sure. Now, one of the best comparisons we have for this, we can find in the first man, Adam, and the original creation that we read about in Genesis. It's a great comparable. What do we know of Adam? Adam was made by God's doing and God's intention. Adam didn't imagine himself into existence. God wanted Adam on the earth. He made Adam in his likeness. And then he positioned Adam in the garden to manage what belonged to him. That's a good assessment of the man Adam, right? We know that there was the fall of Adam, the fall of humanity. But this is what Jesus has done for us in our new birth experience. When a person is born again. They receive Jesus Christ, whether they're 10, 30, 80, 90, 112. The moment they receive Christ, their life is born anew. They're made by God and are called a new creation. Someone that's never been. It's like they just started to live with no past. Now, that's awesome, isn't it? But the Bible also says that we're born again to do good works, which means a purpose-driven God has placed in us a desire for fulfillment. But we're actually at our best when we're knowing who we are, but also we're doing what God has asked us to do whether that be ministry, whether that be humanitarian care, whether that be business, whether that be raising money for the kingdom of God. If you can convince me that Adam was fulfilled sitting on a mountaintop after the moment of his creation, making daisy chains and singing country and western songs, you'll convince me that a newborn, new creation believer like you and me are fulfilled sitting in a church doing nothing. You were made in the image of 
God, to do God's business on the earth. We can see some of God's business or the purposes of God revealed in the life of Jesus, can't we? And I love these. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, he who sins is of the devil and the devil has sinned from the beginning. But then it says this. For this purpose, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was made known or manifested. That he may destroy the works... Same word, ergon, the business of the devil. For this reason, Jesus came to earth, not to walk around and be put on a throne and carried around like a ruler. He came and his purpose was to destroy the works, ergon, the business of the devil on the earth. Now, this is our purpose too, because we're the body of Christ on the earth. Do we believe that? Do we actually believe that? Because that's what we are. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He always will be. And I'll argue all day and all night with someone that says he's not. He's the head of the church. But the Bible says me and you are the body of Christ now on the earth. Another verse says, as he is in heaven, so are we here. So if the body of Christ 2,000 years ago, worn by God, Jesus, was on the earth to destroy and reverse the devil's business, what's our corporate purpose? To ruin the devil's business. To bring back to God all of the people that the devil's stolen. To find people who are broken and see them mended. The spirit of the Lord is now on us. To set the captive free. To break oppression. To release prisoners. To say hope to the hopeless. Freedom to the bound. You see, when we understand that we are his workmanship, born again, new creations, born of his doing, born of his grace, but also we're here to do something, then we won't be bored eating each other, spreading rumors, gossiping, and doing things that are not God's business because we're busy doing what God put us on the earth to do. There's an expression that I've redeemed. It says the devil finds work for idle hands. No, no, God will find it if you'll bow your knee to him. If you've got time on your hands, if you've got spare stuff, give it to God. Don't let the devil find time for what you've got spare. You were created on purpose, for a purpose. A part of your purpose is, the purposes of God are awesome. You were made for relationship. That's a part of a purpose of God for your life. It's not just about doing. You were made, the purpose of your life is to walk with Jesus daily. The purpose, God made you for friendship and relationship, not to be a modern Cinderella in the world. He made you for relationship. He made you for multiplication. Now, when he spoke to Adam and Noah, multiplication was a physical thing. I believe when he speaks to us today, there's quite a few people on the planet now, that plan worked well. 
But when he speaks to us and he says, go into all the world and make disciples, he's saying, just like Adam went with the purpose to multiply, you go now with the purpose to multiply. How? Bringing others into the kingdom and others experiencing a new birth experience. All right, bringing this in for a landing now. We have a common purpose, which is to do God's business on the earth. This is found within the Great Commission, among other verses. He wants us to be busy reaching and discipling and setting people free. Bringing what belongs to God back to God. Every time a person gives their life to Jesus, something or someone that originally belonged to God, who was stolen from God, is returned to God. The devil didn't make anyone. He's dense. He's thick. He has no creative ability. Every human was made by God, but separated from God by Adam. The message of the gospel brings home the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve back to their true father. Do you know that your true father is God? Your true father has always been God. I can remember when I was at Bible school in Alabama and Olivia was just was in her second year there. The end of a meeting, there'd been this incredible move and, and people were loving on God. And I was just sitting back, I'd been speaking that night. And at the Bible school, all of a sudden they said, we're just going to keep the meeting going for those who want to spend time worshipping the Lord. And out the corner of my eye, I saw my daughter, Olivia, just come to the front, unaware of me there, just knelt down and just began to worship God. And I began to cry. And the guy next to me, it was Pastor Micah, he said, are you all right? I said, I'm fine. She just found her real dad. She just found a real father. I've only ever been a Joseph, a stepfather. Your father has always been God. He's the one who made you. He's the one that's loved you before you even thought of him. And he's the one that's put you on a planet for a purpose, man. There's a purpose for your life. There's a race for you to run. It's about our, our purpose and not other people's. Again, we were talking that first week. Be on the track, be in your lane, right? Be on the track, be in your lane. You've got to understand that there's a purpose for you that's different to my purpose. And there's a purpose for us that's different to the purpose that generations had years ago. I love the words of King David, of what it says of King David. I'd like someone to say about this of me one day, if Jesus tarries and I go to glory. Acts 13, verse 36. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, that means died. He fell asleep, he was buried with his ancestors, and his body experienced decay. I love that statement. One day I'd love somebody to say, again, I'm intending living long, but if Jesus tarries and, you know, I want somebody to say, Andy didn't serve the purposes of Moses. <laughs> Andy didn't serve the purposes of Smith Wigglesworth. Some of you know who he is, some don't. Now, Andy Elms served the purposes of God. Did God's business on the earth. 
in his generation. Guys, this is our generation. Ain't no one coming to help us because we don't need them. No one's going to come out of a TARDIS and say, it's all right now, I'm here. This is our generation. We've been born again of God. We find our identity in our new birth experience. But also we realize like Adam did on day one when he woke up on a mountaintop, not knowing where he'd come from. I'm here to do something for God. I'm here to do something for God. I'm not here to do Elvis impersonations. That was good until that king died and another one was born in my heart. Selling fruit and veg, it wasn't a bad plan and I was kind of good at it. Ask my dad, we were good. No, but the moment I met him, that was just a common purpose because he was introducing me to his purpose that he always had for my life from before I was born. Your purpose made. And God has purposes for your life. How does a person connect to the purposes of God? Two things. You must be born again. You bring your life to Christ. If you're backslidden, you come home. If you've never known Jesus, you give him lordship of your life. Number two, you then kneel and say, not my will be done. Not my purposes anymore. Because they're average. God, let your purposes for my life be the purposes that are outworked in these days I live. That is a prayer that God will answer. Because if he answers that prayer, he's got another person person serving his purposes and doing his business on the earth. It's not about being on a stage. It's not about being a preacher. It's not about being a pastor. What you do that God's asked you to do is just as important. There's a purpose of being a mother. There's a purpose of being a father. There's a purpose of being a granddad. There's a purpose of being a child. There's a purpose of being in business. There's a purpose... It's not one size fits all. I'm so glad that my mum was a spiritual woman who took her purpose of getting me back with God seriously. And a lot of people are glad she did that as well. Let's find our purpose. Corbin, there's a purpose. Caleb, there's a purpose. Sophie, there's a purpose. Elliot, Elijah, there's a purpose. Purpose, 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 purpose. Elliot and too many E's in that run there. There's a purpose. There's a pur- Brian, there's a purpose. Bev, there's a purpose. Dave, there's a purpose. Coop, there's a purpose. God don't make junk and he don't make mistakes. Elise, there's a purpose. Grace, there's a purpose. Pete Smith, there's a purpose. If God does it for one, he does it for everyone. Paul, there's a purpose. Charlie, there's a purpose. Graham, there's a purpose. Come on, let's be a people that are saying, God, we want to know you. But also we want to know the purposes you have for putting us on the earth. Just a wonderful presence of God here this morning, isn't it? Did you enjoy that this morning? Did it speak to your heart? Remember the message notes are there for you to read over during the week now on the app and on the website. 
But maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. And you say, I need to be born again. I need to step into God's plan for my life. The only way that you do that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you say, I've been away from God, Andy. I've blown it. I've gone around. I don't even know if he wants me. He wants you. All you need to do is come back to him. Come back to him. Simple, come back to him. If you've never known God and you want a relationship with God to start today, just come back to him. You were made to be his. If you've been away from God and blown it, hey, I did that for eight years. Don't stew in the pigsty of where you've ended up. Come back to him and let all things become new. I'm going to do something unusual today. I'm just thrilled to do it and I've learned to go with what weird feelings I get in the middle of meetings. Would you jump up to your feet for a moment? We don't normally do this, but I feel strong to do this today. I really do. If you know you need to bring your life to God and reconnect your life to God, I want you to get out of your chair and come to the front. We don't normally do this. This is for someone this morning. You need to make a definite step. You need to say, I'm going for God. And if that's you, you need to leave your chair and come to the front. We don't normally do that. We normally say, slip your hand up. It's nice and easy. But no, no, God's doing something. If you need to bring your life to God today in a way that you mean it, come out of your chair and come to the front. That's a brave man right there. That's a brave man there. Come on, let's give him, that's bravery. There's someone else. Come, come. We don't normally do this. We don't normally do this. Families are coming. Families are coming. Families are coming. You come too. Come on. This is God. God wants to meet you in a moment of significance right now. There's other people. I don't know why we ended up just saying lift your hand. Sometimes this is, I think, a lot better, right? Come on. There's other people. There's about another two people. And you know you've not been living for God, living for his purposes. You've been going through the motions. Let it stop today. Get out of your chair. Come forward. Come forward. Step out. Make a decision. What will my friends think of me? Is that more important than God's plan for your life? Something new could start today. God bless you. That's courage. That's bravery. Come on, come on out. This is, you know, the Salvation Army always did this. Salvation Army always said, you've got to come forward and mean business with God. There's two more people still, and you, you're like, I haven't prayed for years, but I go for it. Come on, come on, connect with God and his purposes today. Some of you backslidden, there's a couple of young people here. And come on, that's it, come on. For, there's a couple of young people here. You need to make this decision too. God's got purposes for you. Stop wasting time. Stop wasting time on what this world's offering you. If you mean business with God and you say, I've not been walking with him, but today I want to change it, you come forward. Come forward. Step out of your chair. Come forward. God's all over this this morning. God's going to meet people. He's going to do business with people here today. This isn't about sin. This is about God's plans. And God's purposes. I'm going to count it down from 10. I still believe there's about one or two people and they're young people. You need to be here now. You need to not give a rip about what your friends think. They're not even going to be with you in a few years. God's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you, man. I'm going to count it down from 10. If there's anyone else, and we never do this, but this is brilliant. I love this. And you need to be at the front and you need to pray this prayer and get things right with God today. You make your way out of your chair when I'm counting down. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two.
one. Would you reach your hands forward to these people this morning? We're putting yesterday's behind us. <laughs> We're not going to do interviews on what happened. We're just going to leave it behind. Step into the new. Would you pray after me today? If you're here because you want to be here today, would you pray after me as you stand on the edge of new beginnings? In fact, let's all pray this, hey, church? Thank you, Father. I'm on earth on purpose. And I'm alive for your purposes. Forgive me for not living tight with you. I bring my life to you today. And I submit it to your rule and reign. Thank you for forgiving my sins and killing the person I used to be. I lay down my purposes and plans for your purposes and plans for my life. Thank you that old is gone, new is here. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Flood me, overwhelm me with your Holy Spirit. Today is a new day. Forgetting what lays behind, I reach forwards to run the race that you've given me to run. Amen.